Welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Gonzalez Cumberbatch, and I know firsthand that it takes a village to raise a child, but most importantly, that it takes a village to uplift a mother. A mother's village is necessary and can take up many forms. Consider this podcast as part of your motherhood village. No matter the season of motherhood you're in, every conversation will give you more tools to add to your parenting toolbox and you'll feel supported, inspired, and uplifted. So let's get into an informative and empowering conversation. Hello and welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Cumberbatch, and I have on Dr. Simone Alicia. How are you today? I am so good and so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. Um, For those that do not know, Dr. Simone is known globally as a self-esteem doctor. She is a five-star rated self-esteem coach, international speaker, and founder of the Self-Esteem Doctor Academy. I'm so honored to have you on. Um, This is a conversation that I think is important to have. just based on what you are all about and what your mission is um, for young women to hear, for young boys to hear and all of that. So very excited. So before we jump into the main conversation, let's do my icebreaker round. What is your favorite book or one that you would like to recommend? Oh, there's so many books. I could be here for the whole podcast doing this, but I think the one that comes to mind right now is The Magic by Rhonda Byrne. Mm-hmm. Um, she talks so much about gratitude and mm-hmm. from like a, a, the, the, what it really does, what gratitude really is just not just words. And so I would highly recommend the book, the magic, because gratitude is the magic and what it does to unlock things inside of you to sure. just live that life and to love yourself. And it has all kinds of biochemical connections too, that I'm like, yes, let's do it. So I, I would that. definitely recommend the magic by Rhonda. Brown. Awesome. How has motherhood transformed you? I would say that. Motherhood, it's another, it's a whole other existence, really, right? You, you you start off as, you know, yourself, your name, what your life is, and then you become something to someone else. And it really forces you to look at life differently, think about things differently, to be very intentional about who you are, what you're saying, what you're, what you're promoting. And um, I found it to be something that's made me more introspective. And um, and to trust and forgive and love in just a different way as I've gotten older and entered into that world. <laughs> and how, what are the ages of your two little ones, right? Yeah, I've got two. I've got a daughter who is 11, soon to be 12, and my son who is eight, soon to be nine. So yes. that's the age group we're in. I always say I bow down to single mothers. I bow down to mothers of more than one multiples. <laughs> yep. Um, and I bow down to mothers who are in, who have children in the double digits, because that's a whole nother... Um, and I have a few of my friends that have children of that age. So <laughs> um, it takes a village to raise a child. We hear that often. But to me, um, I feel like it's more important to uplift a mother, that it takes a village to uplift a mother more than anything. Because if mama's not good, you can do all the things for the child. But mama has to be good. Who and what has been a, f- a part of your motherhood village? Oh my gosh, I think surprisingly we could expand that answer to be like every single human being we've come across because we impact each other in ways that we don't really recognize like we should. Um, But in my immediate village, I'd have to say, you know, my mom, oh my goodness, massive, so blessed to have her, you know, coming in on advice, coming in on the babysitting, coming in on just being there to be a listening ear. Um, My father, he shows up, takes the kids places. It's really amazing just to have that as well. Um, Needless to say, my husband, didn't mean to say you third, honey. (laughs) 
<laughs> he's number one there, you know, to be able to have that support and try sure. to work to get on the same page as we both entered this new phase, right? Motherhood and fatherhood was new to both of us um, when we started. So that's part of my village. Um, meeting powerhouse women who are also in that phase of motherhood and professionalism and balancing it and seeing what those resources are, sharing resources. So I think really everyone you come across, even if it's for the better or for the worse, when you come in contact, they leave you with something as you're on this journey that you can take if you want to and use it to enhance the the journey of motherhood. Um, like you said, not just for the raising of the child per se, which it does impact the child, but like you said, the mother, how do I get good so that I can pass that on to you? Love it. hundred percent. And I like how you mentioned your husband. I think a lot of times um, we do tend to forget that mm. we're in this journey with our partner at the same time. I actually have a friend of mine who she's new to motherhood. Um, and she was saying that about her partner. And I was like, look, I get it. I've been there um, and we don't talk about it enough, um, but you have to give him grace as well that he's new with this as well. He has no idea what to do. And truthfully, the baby now is tied to you because mom, you know, you're in the thick of the thick of it, newborn stage. I said, so give him a little grace and understand that he's never gonna do it the way you wanna do it. So yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned that because I think a lot of times we forget that, hey, the same way you're learning something new about your 11 year old is your husband. hundred percent. And he is his own person and dealing with it. So love how you mentioned that. Um, okay. So the self-esteem doctor, tell me um, as high level as you can with your journey, because I'm sure there's been a lot of ebbs and flows and winding roads to get here, but what is the self-esteem Academy? Um, why are you coined the self-esteem doctor and what is your mission behind it all? Oh, I love that question. Thank you. So the self-esteem doctor, I remember the first time I got that question, I was like, I'm the self-esteem doctor. And someone's like, well, what's that? And it was so new at the time that I'm like, I don't, I don't know yet. Right. I'm still creating who the self-esteem doctor is and will be. Uh, but ultimately what has happened is uh, as a collection of the experiences I've had in my life from modeling from teaching elementary school, dealing with children, dealing with others in a beauty-based industry, I really got a clear picture of this idea of what we think and feel about ourselves being more important than I ever heard anyone addressing. And when you did hear self-esteem, it was always tied to looks, but I was in a classroom where it had nothing to do with looks in some cases. It was academics, it was performance, it was friendships, it was whatever. And um, so the self-esteem doctor really was born out of these experiences with realizing we need to be a little bit more deliberate about how we talk about ourselves, deliberate about the words we're choosing. And there's something here that I don't think we're addressing as directly as we can. So I took the experiences I'd already had, got some advice along the way and built in the neuro-linguistic programming part of it, which is, again, just kind of rewiring the way we're thinking. Um, I added in the spirituality piece so that I could really understand there's a, there's a deeper thing there within us. And a lot of us call it something different and that's okay. But there's a deeper thing there we can tap into to bring out this concept of self. So when I was like, you know, we need to work on ourselves. And as I took that journey... Uh, I was remember actually my son was probably about a week old and I was living in Connecticut at the time. And I literally just put everything together and I was like, I'm going back, I'm going back strong. And I, my name, my company was named something different at the time. And I'm like, mm, self-esteem, I'm the self-esteem doctor. <gasps> I'm the self-esteem doctor. Yes, we're going to do this. And it just, it fits so well with the mission, um, which ultimately actually is to be able to impact people globally with tips, tools, and resources that are just not discussed enough. 
you know, someone says, I don't feel good about themselves. And you're just like, oh, you know, love yourself. What does that mean? What, what is my next action step when you say love yourself? I don't do I hug myself and stare in the mirror. I don't I have no clue. So to be able to teach strategies and hopefully let these strategies, these tools, these resources become mainstream, I think is something that is a massive uh, mission of mine. And in doing so, not only was I coaching one-on-one, but then we brought it over to the academy. So now that means you can be anywhere in the world at any time zone and any time of day or night, as long as you can get somewhere where there's internet access, you can log on and find resources to help you in the middle of a, you know, a negative state that you're in, or just to continue to build up the tools for future situations and be prepared. I love that. And tell me, how does the neuro neuro um, linguistics aspect apply to that? Because I was on your website um, and when I was doing some research and, and understanding like kind of where we'd go with this conversation of being like, well, that's a whole nother side of it that brings a, dip, a different depth um, that I th- don't think is talked about often. So can you mention what made you go that route to bring that in um, and how does that enhance the message that you're trying to bring or, you know, the mission that you are on your, um, on your road to, to bring about to everyone. Talk about that aspect of it. (laughs) I'm so excited about that. All right. So, um, I remember when I first started my business, which again, it was not called the self-esteem doctor at the time, but I was using the runway to try to inspire you to feel good. And we were talking about your posture and the way you're carrying yourself and the thoughts that were happening in your mind, walking down the runway. Later on, someone pointed out to me, you know, that was neuroscience. You were using elements of using the body to kind of retrain and bring up old memories and like just kind of retrain the way you're perceiving things. Tie that in with a client I had back in those days before the self-esteem doctor, by the way, and she'd had some trauma. And I was like, you need to go to a therapist. Like, you know, I'm here for self-esteem, but like you need some, you know, and the mom was like, wait. I'll do the therapy part, but I want this. I want my daughter to reclaim who she is. You know, she Mm. was assaulted, whatever, whatever. So I'm like, okay, I got this. And as I did that, and this natural thing was coming out of me, this natural neuroscience, this natural thing, she got better. And the mom came in with tears in her eyes, just, oh my gosh, you don't know what you've done for my daughter, which of course means I was in tears and it was beautiful. So as that story kind of passed along to my mom and to her friends, one of her friends is a clinical psychologist. And she was like, if you're into doing that kind of work, you should study neuro-linguistic programming. So that's the first time I'd ever heard those words. Mm -hmm. So I looked into it and I realized it was really this process by which you kind of look at your thoughts. So if I have this belief or I have this thought about something, my brain creates a picture of it. Mm -hmm. And I was never consciously aware that like my brain is making pictures of every single thing. You know, I visualize, I can imagine, but I didn't know that. So once I learned I can have this picture in my mind and I can actually start to shift that picture around just by kind of looking at the picture in my mind, I can see a picture of myself being confident and I can brighten that color and I can bring it close up and I can frame it and I can add movement to it and add, you know, add sensations in my body while I look at it and realizing that that process is actually changing the way my brain is perceiving that picture and ultimately can change the way I'm actually responding and feeling afterwards. And I was like, what? And are you (laughs) saying that, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's making me think, and are you saying that because we've been taught or we've been programmed for so long to think whatever this, and I'll, I'll think just because you're mentioning the modeling, this idea of this beauty standard is so that I'm not good enough. So we tell ourselves that because we've been programmed, whether it's something we've seen, something we heard or lack thereof of not hearing and not seeing. Um, so that you're basically saying you're retraining to say, oh no, 
that is very much, no, I am beautiful. I am this. So is that in regards? A hundred percent. And it's with the beauty. It's with the intelligence. It's with my future, my potential. It's with everything, every element, whether it's physically inclined in a, in a physical body or in a, the spiritual, mental, emotional space, we are being programmed all day, every day, even on the television. They never bothered to lie. They called it TV programming. <laughs> they just told us what it is, right? Sure. So we're so bombarded with those images and those fast moving colors and the sounds. And then we, you know, they tap into the emotion. And so we're programming in a direction that's not always serving us. So I said, you know, if I could use this NLP concept and take it beyond just, you know, um, breaking minor addictions and, you know, this, but start to apply it to a sense of self, what would that look like? And so I started to say, let's use it in self-esteem building. Let's take this NLP as the, the kind of short version of calling that word is um, and, and apply it to the way I'm perceiving myself. Let me get into my mind and see those images. Let me create and, as I say, write the story of my life. But instead of struggling through it and kind of like fighting with affirmations and fighting with, you know, these different tools that maybe you don't feel like you have a complete understanding of. Sure. Why don't we just involve the brain a little bit more, invoke those powers and skills that are naturally happening in our minds anyway, and do it on purpose. So we're not just empty vessels taking in whatever flashes across the screen. I'm actually now a creator of what's going to flash across the screen of my mind. And I'm like, that's where we need to be. I love that. And how long has it been since you kind of had that idea to fruition of your first I don't want to say client because I think mm -hmm. like you were saying, it was like almost yeah. organic. Um, but from that moment to then you coming fast forward to where you are today, kind of give me a little bit um, of, of what that journey was like as you've like built it and to say, okay, here's yes. the idea. I help this person, maybe even this person kind of, and it's, on, you know, and then subconsciously, I guess, then you're building this to say, wait a minute, this is what it looks like. And then turning it into a business. Okay. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, I love that. I think this is a great point to a great part in the talk to say when I started that first part of the business and it was based on like using the runway to empower yourself that failed miserably in terms of what I was trying to say, what I was trying to show, what I was trying to demonstrate. You know, I couldn't pay for the place. I, it was, it was a lot of things that we would call like, Oh, I failed. But I literally give thanks for that failure, right? I know Tony Robbins calls it effective blaming when, you know, you're just kind of like, well, this didn't work and I'm this didn't work. And I'm like, and because it didn't work, I thought more. And because it didn't work, I went a little deeper. Because it doesn't work, I took another job that I feel like I grew up at that job. I was traveling by myself. I was making air, you know, flights by myself. Hotel. And I was like, oh my gosh, I grew up. And if that didn't happen, I wouldn't have had that experience. So I am so thankful that it didn't work in one sense, but it was absolutely working in another sense. And so I had the experience of the success with that young girl. Then I went and got all these other experiences of life and living. I got a chance to cultivate more of a desire for what I wanted. What do I really want? Did I really want to be in that room, in that studio doing that for the rest of my life? Or what is the bigger vision if I dared to dream bigger? Sure. Because that was pulled from me in a sense. Um, so I started to use that and say, what do I want? And I started to realize I want to continue to teach. I'm a teacher, very core of my being. I am a teacher. <laughs> and I was like, what does that look like to teach and bring in self-esteem and be able to get results pretty quickly? And then an NLP came in. I'm like, let's study NLP. So we did that. I'm a certified NLP practitioner. And I was like, okay, so I want something else. I want more. And I'm like, there is a spiritual element here. The more you look into NLP and I'm like, well, the body's pretty awesome. Like something else is here. And so I started to look in the spiritual um, element of it. And from there, the honorary doctorate of divinity came, then the building, the picture even clearer came. And then I'm like, I'm going to do one-on-one -on -one coaching. 
did one-on-one coaching, fine-tuned my craft, watched people just get better and better and better. I heard the reviews. The parents are like, what did you do to my kid? I'm like, hey, hold on now. Wait, how you phrase that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what do you mean? And they're like, I've never seen her like this. This is a kid who wouldn't even want to go to school. And now she's on stage doing a play. And this is a kid sure. who didn't want to go to play dates if I wasn't there. And now she's a kid who was told she has learning disabilities and now she's off to college. You know, um, it's just, it was watching it happen. I said, well, I don't now at this point feeling successful here. I feel like it's limited because more people need this. And there's only so many people I can see one-on-one while I'm raising and homeschooling my own children. So I'm like, how do I go bigger? And I kept on asking those chunking up questions. How do I get bigger? And not for the sake of me, but for me to fulfill this mission. And that was like, well, I've got to make this something that's global. So right before COVID, I said to my husband, I'm not sure what I'm doing, but I'm going to put this online. And he was like, go for it. You know, you can't ignore those nudges. And I'm like, I'm going for it. So I start building this platform. Whispers, whispers, right? And then, you know, if you don't listen to the whispers, it turns into a yell. So I'm I'm like, I'm listening. And uh, I started to build what I now call the academy and just put the resources in what worked for this client. It basically took all these case studies of successes I was having and saying, what worked? Mm -hmm. Why did it work? How did it work? And how do I put this in a a position where people can understand it in a pre-recorded platform? And I started building it. And as I was building it and feeling, I'm not sure what's going on here, COVID happened, the world shut down and I had an online platform ready. And I was like, hallelujah, <laughs> this is what happens when you listen to the guidance. I was just going to say, when you listen to the whispers. Mm, yes. It's so good. So that's, that's really how I got from there to here and just watching the successes, utilizing the tools, getting stronger, getting bigger. You know, sometimes we think we want to just go from A to Z, you know, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with willing to get to Z. Sometimes you got to travel all the steps in between because there's these little nuggets and this wisdom and these ideas yes. that blossom in you on the way and you need them mm-hmm. in order to actually do Z, for example, in the best possible, most aligned way you can. I agree. And I think um, for all of the moms listening or, or men that are, that are business owners, you know, what you just dropped there was a massive nugget. Um I'm still early kind of in my entrepreneur entrepreneurial journey with the motherhood village. And I actually also have a consulting business. That's my day job. That's what pays the bills. Um, and I've learned in this two year journey now, um, that I appreciate the steps in between. And I got that very early on. And I don't know if that's because instinctually I'm very, um, centered with whispers i'm very centered with all of that um and kind of saying oh okay you know looking up and saying okay i see what you did there i'm gonna go here um but i think that's such a big moment for you to say that because i think because everything is a highlight reel and we and it looks like everybody has everything together um and and they don't um but for you to say listen i thought i wanted this the universe showed me that this wasn't the way and instead of me taking that and thinking oh then i failed your own work did you're in, in in turn doing your own work to yourself and then saying i'm going to use this actually as an opportunity and say well what does serve me and let me think big and i love that because i'm i'm an advocate of that i'm always like okay well how do i go bigger with this and not for me because I spent 20 something years in corporate, so I still don't have me as a business model. I was a VP, Mm -hmm. like I I have that C-suite level thinking. So I can think big as far as operational, but I'm always thinking big of how do I further get whatever it is that my mission is. Um, So I love that you said that. So for anyone listening, please take heart to that because it's okay wherever you, you know, look at where you're at in your journey and figure out what, what are you, 
how much do you need to go bigger? Are you, you know, are there things whispering to you that maybe you need to pay a little bit more attention to? And I can't describe what those whispers mm-hmm. are, but they're just these nuggets um, that you just know that you're like, okay, I think you've been tugging me to go this way, even though I've been fighting it. Um, because not every space that you think um, you want to be in, you deserve to be in. And I think a lot of times we have to stop and, and think about that. So thank you for sharing that. But um, you are a speaker at the Motherhood Village Summit. Um, and it was amazing. You closed it out with such high energy. It was so impactful. I do want to ask, um, you talked about building self-esteem in mothers and their children. What would you tell moms who are too busy to work on their self-esteem? Let's say there's a mom and... This will take me to another podcast guest that I had who's time management and she hates when people say like, I'm too busy because in truth, and she's like, you know, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. It's not that we're too busy. It's what we prioritize, right? It's where we put our our priority. And I was like, yeah, I can admit to that. I think we all do that. We say we're too busy, but it's not actually, no, we just are not prioritizing whatever that is. But for the mom that is like, look, I don't have time to work on myself. You know, like I'm, I'm trying to work. I, I am a single mom, whatever the things are that they have on their plate. What can you tell a mom who's listening to kind of help build those self-esteem skills? And then I'm going to dive into the children aspect. Cause I think what you do with children is phenomenal, but let's start there first with self-esteem in, in busy moms. I would have to also join the other podcast guest and say <laughs> there is no such thing, but, but, um, to fully empathize and be there with you. We obviously have these busy days and all of us have different circumstances. And it's true that we do have a perception that sometimes there's just no time, but there's an example I like to use. And I do believe I used it at the motherhood village. And I said, if you're telling me you have to go on a road trip and life is like, the ultimate road trip, and you have this far to go. In order to prepare for that, you have to have fuel. You have to have gas in your car to take that road trip. And you have to be prepared to stop to refuel because you utilize that fuel along the way of the trip. So now take the car and the physical road trip out and now make it you, mom. Your road trip, quote, end quote, is taking care of your kids and doing this and showing up to work and doing the dinner and doing that. And depending on your situation, your lifestyle, you're doing it all on your own or whatever. I'm telling you that it is like a road trip. And you have to fuel up to take that trip. You cannot tell me, hey, I have a huge road trip. I'm going to drive for 12 hours. But guess what? I have no time to stop for gas. I'm going to say to you, well, good luck to you because you're going to call me in about 10 minutes and tell me I have to bring you and take a, a little thing of gas. So we have to use these different these different uh, perceptions. We have to start to talk to ourselves a little bit differently and sell ourselves on the idea of, well, why do I need to stop? How do I make this stop? Because I have to. And even if you're running late for work, if and, and again, the gas uh, example is so clear because it's really tangible. It's really obvious. And it's like, okay, well, I'm an hour late for work. I have no time to stop for gas. Do you have gas in the tank? No. Well, then you're going to be zero, not n- arriving at all. You're going to be 24 hours late for work because you're not going to get there that day. Yeah. So when we play with these different examples, it helps us to reframe and to recalibrate, hey, I have to do this. And it's not just for me. It's also for the child, which we'll talk a little bit about in, in, a, in a minute, but for you for your day-to-day existence, for you to feel full, to feel like you're thriving. Riding a car on E damages that vehicle if it even moves, right? And you as a being, as a human, as a mom, you have to be able to feel good about fueling yourself. And it's a matter of consuming things that will help you to feel empowered on that physical, emotional level. 
So when you're hungry, you've got to put food in. We know there are symptoms if you don't put food in. Some of us get headaches. Some of us start to sweat. Some of us get hangry. You know, you know, right? And so if you know there are going to be symptoms and it's like, these are emotional symptoms for your stomach being hungry. Like all of a sudden you're mad and all you have to do is put food in your mouth that goes in your stomach. It doesn't go to your head per se, but you have an emotional reaction. So now imagine for something that's actually emotional, something that's actually mental, spiritual, that you have to fill yourself up as a being Otherwise, there are going to be symptoms. You're going to be a little bit more irritable. You're going to be a little bit more grumpy. You're going to feel exhausted even more so than you normally would. You're going to feel like you have no patience and no time for yes. anything. And then you just start you know, whittling away at the quality of your life and the quality of your parenting. Even with our full self-esteem and everything in place, there's a lot of room for error to happen. So we might as well start with a full tank. And squeezing it in in little areas is what I have found to be the most powerful thing. I think sometimes we lose each other when we support each other and say, you know, carve out an hour in the morning for, I'm going to stop you right there. (laughs) I'm not carving out an hour for anything. You know, some parents will say, I don't have that hour. I'm already waking up an hour. So I say, let's start to do these smaller things. I've once, I think it was one year I read a book, one page a day. I just opened it. And if a page had a picture on it, I was like, well, oh, well, like (laughs) I'm done for today. Yes, <laughs> right? yes, yes. So, you know, try to milk these little moments. So if there's something's interesting, listen to a podcast while you're driving. Try to make use of these little pockets of time that you have. If you're in the restroom and you can have your ear pause in and listen to like a little motivational moment. If you have a, a radio at your desk that you can listen to, um, a little journal by the bed as you're falling asleep and write out some yes. gratitude. Surround your office or your space with some encouraging words. Get by some things that aren't frames. Next time you go shopping, get a t-shirt that says, I got this. I'm amazing. I can do it. Yeah. Start to add to the programming piece by exposing your brain to the stimuli all over you, little bits at a time, almost flood the system, I like to call it. Flood the system with what you want to see, feel, be, do, and have. Flood it. Um, And I say, you know, if you were getting into a pool of water, what would you have on you? Water. If you're getting into a pool of mud, you would have mud on you. So if you want to feel good, you've got to create the pool of good, whether that's a book, a movie, a radio station, music, T-shirts, banners, posters, friends, whatever it is, try to get yourself immersed in that which you want to feel, be, do, and have, because that's when it's going to start to impact your system, impact your mindset. It's going to be on the top of your mind, and you're going to start to feel more capable and more able, and you start squeezing more of that time in, and then you're going to feel that impact not only as a mom, But as that woman who you are and who you were before you became mom, you've got to connect and stay tethered to that. And it takes work because the world is offering us very opposite information. You know, be tired, be stressed, be overwhelmed. I have to feed myself with something opposite to stay afloat. It's so true. And to the moms like listening, it's so true. It's And you just gave bits and pieces of advice to do that doesn't really require a lot of time. It does require work. But I think in anything in life, I think we just innately think that we just wake up being happy or we just wake up with the self-confidence and the same way we have to work on, as you said, um, whether it's our craft, whether it's ourself, we put so much um, development in like our careers and different things of not, and then not flipping it and doing the work for ourselves, especially once we become a mom. Um, So I love that. And actually going back to the same um, Marissa, she would always say, um, people think to be multitasking and that you get like this badge of honor. She was like, but multitask, like if you're doing laundry. So it made me mm-hmm. think of you saying if you're on your drive. So if you're doing laundry, you listen to a podcast, right? These are all things, basically what you're describing is, is to surround yourself with this village of information. Mm-hmm. Um, but in your way to say to uplift you so that you're deprogramming from 
yeah, everything on social media is like, oh, mom should be tired, even the articles or even just the negativity that we see, you know, around the world. Um, and, and I struggle with that because I think in some aspect we need it. We need information. I don't ever want to be um, like just not knowledgeable of what's going on in the world or is sheltered from it because I think it is what it is. Um, but at the same time, it's just everywhere. So it's how do, like you say, you deprogram and you really make sure you have those nuggets. So when it's the first thing you wake up in the morning, I know for me, um, because I had a home birth, so I wanted it to, I needed it to be, it's, that's a very (laughs) powerful, emotional thing. I had affirmations on my bathroom window. Like I can do this, I can do this. And I still have it, not my window, my mirror. Um, some of them I have from that same moment, um, the same post-its and they're getting faded now, but it goes to your mind. So that's the first thing I see when I look in the mirror, like you got this, um, gratitude, um, some other things. So it's just really adding those nuggets. So I love that. I love that. I love that. Now, should parents be nurturing their own self-esteem at the same time as they're trying to do it with their children? Or, and I'm thinking of this as I'm asking you this question, is it just something that will become organically that you do because our kids don't do as we say they do as we do. So if we're, if we're mirroring, mirroring it and we are living it, then by default, our children, or you, we hope, um, will automatically see it. So speak about that and the importance of that um, and how can parents do both? I 100% feel that each home will be different. Mm-hmm. Some families are just structured in a way that working on it together makes sense and is seamless and is easy. And some situations may say, let me do it my, my way for me. I need this time and then I can do it with my child. And I think there's just a lot of variations. I think one of the mistakes we make in so many industries and in, in, or in everything in life really is that we keep trying to find this one size fits all. <laughs> there's like this, what's the one answer? And I'm like, the one answer is that there are many answers. <laughs> there we go. We I saw it. <laughs> right? um, so that's number one. So every advice you get, take it in and see how it applies to you and then milk it and twist it and turn it and make it fit for your lifestyle. Um, but don't ever feel, you know, that you're underperforming or you're not good enough because it didn't do it that person's way. You know what I mean? You came here with a different message in a different way and a different set of circumstances, work it in, in your way. What I would generally say is that, um, and to, to your point earlier, when you mentioned it's like a village of information, I say that the self-esteem building aspect nowadays, it really needs to become a lifestyle. It's not extra. It's not, okay, I have my life and now I have to do self-esteem. No, 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 no. It is a part of who you are meant to become and be. It's a part of the foundation of you. And I think as you start to practice it and live it, it will naturally become something you talk about with your children because it's a part of the lifestyle in your home. And then it's also something you're going to live by example. You are going to teach by the power of your example, because like you said, those kids aren't listening as much as they're watching and repeating what they see, what they observe. So if you can be a walking, talking demonstration, a visual proof, if you will, of this lifestyle of self-love and what that means, I think that's going to make a massive difference in people's lives and in our kids' lives. I think that is one of the most effective ways, but you execute it the way that feels most comfortable to you. But for me, I say, you know what, when we're young, we teach our kids, you have to brush your teeth. That's how you keep your teeth healthy. You got to take a shower every day. That's how you do this. And it's all these fundamental, like, don't ask about it. You'll get used to it. We'll teach you and your child, but you're going to get older and you're going to know, brush your teeth every day, shower every day. Like those are things I have to do. Like there's no question. I need this self-esteem concept, this working on the power of self and I to become just as fundamental and not extra. If you're going to start the day and you say to me, I have this to do. I have to do this. I have to drop the kids off. I have to make breakfast. I, and I go, well, what have you done for the I 
that has to do all of those things. Have you filled I so that I is equipped to, you know, to execute all of those things in the day? And most of the times we haven't. We're just shells of people just trying to figure things out and bumble along. And I think that's the first step is who am I that has to do all these things? And how am I preparing myself to do that? And if my outlook is negative or, you know, overwhelmed or frustrated, or I'm already depleted and defeated, how am I supposed to pass that? You know what I mean? I want us to get to the place where it's such a lifestyle for us that our kids expected of us. They expected of themselves. We expected of ourselves. It's just natural. We build it in because we want to. That idea of I have no time. I have no time, no time, no time until my favorite person invites me out for my favorite night out. All of a sudden, oh, you know what? <laughs> I found some time. I could just move this and move this because I'm going to go because I want it. So when we get to the stage that we want it, we make the time and we find the time finds us because we really desire it. So I'm just thinking at this point, we really need to make this a lifestyle. And it's something, you know, you mentioned social media earlier. We can build it into our social media feed. Stay aware. So you do have some news and you have some stuff, but also flood your feed with the positivity. And I want to just mention anyone that's listening, that's kind of like, well, you know, it's not like real to be positive all the time. I'm not asking you to be positive all the time. What I'm asking you to do is to be fair, Mm -hmm. because if you can look and say these things are wrong, then you also have the capacity to say these things are right. And we have somehow come up with this saying where it's like, keep it real. And all of a sudden, keep it real means just be negative. That's not keeping it real because the truth is there are some good things happening in our world. There are good words we can say to ourselves. There are positive influences out there that we can reach for and learn from and build it into our lifestyle. But we have to do it on purpose. And if social media doesn't automatically place it there in front of us or our friends aren't placing it or the you know options on TV aren't placing it, then we've got to go out and find it and build it into our lifestyle. And then our children will see that. Yes. And our children will mimic that and our children will become that. And if they're doing it at four, five, six, seven, eight, that's a lifestyle start for them. Yes. That's way less struggle than it ever was for us. Let's pivot to the children because you said you have two of your own Mm -hmm. um, and you also homeschool. And I want to ask, what changes have you seen in your children? Because your son is eight, so he probably got the brunt of maybe most of it um, because he's younger, trying to think of the time frame. Um, And your 11 year old starting. So I guess just tell me, like, how has that been of what you've seen changes in your children, maybe even your spouse that you taking this on and saying, look, this is going to be a lifestyle for us just as, just as we breathe and rich and sleep and all the things we're going to incorporate this. Um, obviously your family is your own muse, your own thing. How has it changed? What have you seen in your family dynamic? So it's actually all for my children. It's all they've ever known. So they were born into it at a time when I, my daughter was, I think, two years old or a year and a half Mm -hmm. when I studied NLP. So I think we were already dancing around that. My husband and I, a lot of our bonding came from the spiritual talk and we just went way out there with our talks. I'm like, man, if anyone heard us, (laughs) they'd be like, are these two okay? (laughs) And so we were always able to be very free and explore these spiritual concepts and just go really out there and the power of the mind and the power of us. And um, we, we took that journey. And I think by the time we had children, we were already um, on that path. I won't say we are where we are now because sure. obviously we've evolved and continue to evolve and we love the process of evolution um, in this way. But I would say that my children are born into it. And I think what happens with them being born into it is that they start to look for, well, what else, what else do you mean? You know, like, okay, so be positive and be this, but like that girl's not positive. So what? Like, she seems cool. She seems fine. Like, you know, what is it? So now they're questioning, <laughs> but I think it's beautiful. So yeah. they're making you even better. <laughs> I was going to say, and think deeper, like, oh shoot, they have a point here. Like yep. she isn't. So how, how does that affect this? And yes. where does that, oh wow. Yes. And so like you mentioned the word muse before, and I'm like, I couldn't have thought of a better word because 
anytime there's a challenge with them or a question, I'm like, well, I do need to know the answer to that. And I want to find out what the answer to that, to the best of my ability. And I'm very um, upfront with my kids. I'm like, I have no idea, girl. Let me let, <laughs> let me look into this. Um, but I, I definitely think that um, they explore the other side of it because they're like, well, mom, you know, she's not positive or whatnot. And they'll ask the questions. And I think my most fulfilling moments come when I'm saying something or teaching something and they finish my sentences with some of the things I've taught them before. And they're like, well, you know, mom, well, obviously, because if you're not, you know, blah, 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 then this, and I'm like, my baby, you were listening. Yes. Because they, because then they've, they, they're um, intuitively or with it. It's just, like you said, they were born into it. So I love that to where it's just embedded in them. I think the beauty that children do for us is that they do make us question kind of even the things, right. And what Mm -hmm. we're doing and what does that mean? And how does that affect this? Mm -hmm. Um, and which, and, and I want to say this, could tell me your, your thoughts on this, which I think is one of the hardest things about motherhood is the fact that these people, these little people that, you know, um, however you believe the universe, universe chose to pair you up, God, you know, you hear mm-hmm. people saying like, I'm glad God chose me to be your mommy and all the things, um, to try and make them like, just like good adults, human beings that can go into the world that are. I know for me that are resilience, that um, my son is independent thinking, that um, I remember being a manager and being like, goodness gracious, you cannot teach like proactiveness. Like you either have it or you don't. <laughs> um, and I was always like the manager, like, look, you got to figure it out. Like we, we just, we have to have that like critical thinking. So that's a big one um, in my, in my home, mm-hmm. but that goes with the questions. Right. Mm-hmm. And as a mom, when we've been overstimulated from the day, from all the things, whether you're a career mom, whether you're, you're stay at home mom, whatever your roles and the different roles that we play. And then we come home and we have this little person that comes and it's asking all these life questions and maybe calling you out. And you're like, I, I don't, I don't have the capacity to deal with this right now. But to your point, if we're filling our toolbox with these resources and adding these things to our, to your village, whether it's a podcast you're listening to a book or all the things it allows us for those moments to better handle them. I know for me, I can always tell when I've um, filled my cup that I am more patient and that I am more able to kind of get down to his literally to his eye level as they tell you to do. And if he's having a moment and I can like really kind of have that one-on-one and say, look, babe, I get it, you know, and this and this, as opposed to me having a shit show of a day Mm -hmm. um, and being like, dude, I I don't have the time for this. (laughs) And in my mind saying, God, if I really did that all the time, Mm. like, where would we be? Mm -hmm. What kind of, you know, what am I, what am I teaching him? So tell me, I know you spoke on it, and briefly of saying the importance of that of moms adding to the toolbox but even in you because it's something that you've kind of had with your children since since birth how you can see how that has helped you that you've added these things for you that you can be a little bit more like you have an 11 year old right mm-hmm. we're in a social media age mm-hmm. i know you're homeschooling but it's a whole different range of you know now you have a preteen a tween how has that helped you as a mom navigates the, as I say, the waves of motherhood, you know, that, that we kind of have where some days it's like, lol, and we're good. And there's other days where you have this torrential downpour and you're like, okay, I just, I can't, I can't. <laughs> um, and you got to remind your kids who you are. Right. There so we- tell me, <laughs> tell me. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I think I want to preface this answer by just saying, uh, 
we're all human. One of the things I always want to say to people is a human doesn't mean I'm only human. It does can, it can mean I'm divinely human and I have all these beautiful things and elements, uh, but I'm not trying to cultivate a bunch of robots that we just sit with <laughs> yes. the smiles planted on the faces like, I have self-esteem and that means it doesn't matter. Everything's great. Like, no, that's not, that's not what life yeah. is, you know, at least. And if you know what it is, please call me and let me know. But um, what I've, I'd have to say that I have been put in a position where I really learned to value demonstrating the process. So I think some of us, um, here's what I mean. So I think if we get upset with our children, for example, where we do have that impatient day, we're like, look, dude, like not right now, please. And then we kind of walk away, we disappear, everyone parts ways. And then you come back and it's like, honey, what do you want for dinner? And they're like, uh, just told what, me. I don't, who, what just happened? Like, okay. I, they don't know what just happened, but you went from like upset and then you somehow filled your cup or you talked yourself out of it, but they don't know what that in between was. It's just yeah. like, okay, mama was mad and now mommy's happy. What? And then they don't really learn anything from that. So what I think it's taught me on those days where I'm just kind of like, oh, I skipped the meditation today and Ooh, everybody's going to feel it. <laughs> Oops. Um, I, I, I demonstrate and I communicate with my kids about it. I will like, you know, something like mommy, but I'm like, look, look, hold on, hold on. I need a timeout. I need a timeout. I didn't do my meditation. I'm feeling super overwhelmed. I have 37 things on my mind and I did not do what I was supposed to do this morning to clear all of that out. So I'm going to actually, you know, sit right here. And then I will right there where they're sitting in front of me. I sit at my desk. I close my eyes. I will take a couple of deep breaths. I might turn on some meditation music or a guided meditation. That's like, you know, picture this and whatever. Mm -hmm. And, or I say, I need to journal. I'm feeling frustrated. And I grab a journal. I'm like, I'm going to write out my feelings. So, cause I'm just so upset right now. And then I'm going to fill back up with something positive, And then I'm going to share that positive with you. And then they're sitting there in my office and I'm just like, you know, with the face and I'm writing and, and whatever it is, I'm demonstrating it so they can see it. And that way, when I bounce back and I'm all happy, they're not just like, oh, look, it's magic. Mommy has some magic, uh, you know, emotional regulation. And I don't like, no, I took the time. And so I, in that, I hear my children when they have a moment, they're like, mom, can I just, can I just sit for a second? Like, you know, can I, my son comes to me at night and he's like, I think I need some emotional freedom tapping. I think I need a little bit of time. He's eight. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, sure. And he's like, do you think maybe you could play some affirmations for me as I go to sleep? I'm just feeling overwhelmed. And I'm like, oh my gosh, who are you? Yes, I love so, it though. So yes. with that, it's like, I've learned to, I have to admit when I'm not all the way there, I don't just get to disappear in the room and come back happy. And they have no idea because I'm not teaching anything from that space. So I've had to learn to be more deliberate. Yep. I've had to learn to be honest. I've had to learn to demonstrate like, this is what I'm actually doing. And I demonstrate other things too. Like if I'm using social, because like you said, my daughter's 11 and, and then the eight year old is like, well, she has, and she's 11. And I'm like, no, nobody's getting social media, but I'm going to demonstrate how it works by using it in front of you. So sometimes she'll sit and I'm on my phone and then I'll scroll past something really fast. Like, uh, -uh there's no one to look at that. I'm like, as a matter of fact, let's unfollow that. And then I go and unfollow. So she can feel confident unfollowing. If something's feeding your feed yes. with nonsense, unfollow it. And then she sees like, I have the feeds and it's like, oh, that feels good. And it's empowerment and it's powerful. And I'm like, oh, that's the news. I am going to watch that, but not right here with you. So let's skip that. Let me press save, you know? So I'm kind of demoing how to use social media. Can you use it for good? Or do you have to swallow everything that you see there. And I think a lot of the kids feel like whatever pops up, I had a, I just got to deal with it. Yeah. You don't, you can delete it. So for me, demonstrating is what I think they've taught me. Um, and the a concept that I say, fill from the overflow. I found it to be not as 
productive, I guess, when I just fill myself up and then pour from that cup, then I'm empty again. And so I'm like, I would like to fill and keep filling so that they're actually feeding on the overflow of me. So imagine me as a fountain and everything that's flying over and going, that's what they're getting. And I stay full. So if I can stay full and feed them at the same time, that is, that's becomes power. And I think we need to take that power back and believe in that ability for us to do that um, step-by-step systematically day by day. And it does take quote unquote work, but not much more than brushing your teeth every day if you're willing to commit to that, right? 100%. And like you said, going back, it's those little nuggets that you could add to your day. It's the little things that you can make the changes. And I love how you say that you're deliberate. There was um, someone, and I don't remember who said it, but she said that if her children see her and her husband like having a disagreement, she will also make them see if they've um, reconciled. Mm, that's beautiful. And I thought that was so powerful because I know growing up in my household, I mean, we could have a whole conversation <laughs> on generational things. I mean, my oh, parents yeah. were married, they were divorced, they got remarried, whole nine what? yards thing. <laughs> um, and they've been together since they're 18, they're 62 now. So there's a lot of levels there, but the generational of not being able to express and to see, and to your point, yes, we would just see maybe there was a conflict and there was an mm-hmm. issue. And then everyone kind of went about and then came back and you're thinking, oh yeah, did they take a magic pill right. or, you know, like what happened, but we're not taught how to self-regulate. Um, I know for me carried over to my um, uh, relationship um, and I'm being able to understand and say, wait a minute, this isn't feeling right. How can we talk about that? Right. And I'm very fortunate though, that I, and I had that not many people have that. So for you to be able to, to show that to your children, that's such a powerful thing. And I know to your point, because we have people um, or they, whoever the they is that <laughs> might say like, oh, you know, um, back in the day and everyone turned out fine. And why are we changing all these things? Right. <laughs> but it's like, but we really didn't know. And many of us, you know, unfortunately, either had to go through different relationships or had to really go through life of not knowing who they are, what they really wanted, um, what it meant to have a positive conflict resolution. Um, you have people who are in management positions that don't really need to be a manager or leadership because we don't, you know, like all these, like mm-hmm. we could really go deep with that, mm-hmm. um, that don't know. And if we gave these tools to our children now to demonstrate and to see like, that's phenomenal. I've, I have that with my son and I'm so fortunate that I had this podcast because I would listen firsthand from my experts and I'm like, Oh, let me try this. Mm-hmm. And there's things that my five, now five-year-old has told me. And I, I, I'll look at him. He's like, I just, I'm just overwhelmed. And there was this boy at school. He was not nice to me. And he would just cry and say, and I'm having a moment. And I look at him and I'm like, Yes. Yes. Like, yes, yes. that's what it's about. Yes. You know, so to your point, what you're demonstrating is so powerful. And what that's going to take for that new, do for the next generation is unbelievable. And I want you to speak upon with that what you do with children. Like, what are the different programs? What are the resources that you provide? I know you have the academy, um, but what you really do when you work with children. Oh, for sure, for sure. And just before I jump into that, I just want to piggyback because you said something so important to me here. When you say, you know, this happened in my generation or whatever, and I turned out fine. I would add the phrase at the end of that, it turned out fine for the time. That was a time frame you were living in and you turned out fine for the time. But as time is changing, as the situation is changing, as we are incorporating technology and new information, the times are changing. So I didn't need to know, you know, how to not have fear of missing out looking at the internet back in 1940. Like I didn't need that information, right? right? But now with the access to information changing, I need to know, I need more tools now. And I think that's the biggest change is that we need the tools. And so back in the day where it was okay to just say the why and the what. Okay. What? Love yourself. Why? Because it's going to make you strong. That was the end of the lesson. 
Okay. So great. I love myself. I don't know what that means, but sure. I'm not getting yelled at or I, that lecture's done. Exactly. Great. Or because mom said so and mom you said need to so. go further. And we know we did that because we didn't know the answers. Cause anytime mom said so, it's cause I didn't know what else to say. You're just like, that's cause I said so. <laughs> right? Deal with it. <laughs> Deal with it. it. Deal with it. And we so, did. And now, exactly, exactly. And I think we were better for it for the time and we managed it for the time. And that exact thing is what has prepped us to teach our children differently. So we take the best from everything, whether it was good or bad, if you will, but we make the best of it as we go forward. And these are the times now where we have to add in the how. And that's what I give to the children. So I'm not just love yourself, raise your self-esteem, do affirmation. Do I'm now, how, how do you do this? And why does it work? So for example, if I'm talking with a teenager and I'm saying, you know, um, they're like, well, I'm just this. And I'm just, first, number one, there's power in your words. Okay. You've heard that before, but I'm going to actually prove to you why there's power in your words. And I'm going to talk to you about the fact that the words are starting to program the deeper part of your mind. The deeper part of your mind is remembering every single thing. You're actually, it's your voice that's programming. If someone says something mean to you, it's when you repeat it to yourself that it actually matters. The moment they said it to you was nothing. You could have you know thrown that away. But if you took it as a seed and you buried it in your mind and you watered it with your thought and attention, you now have a garden of that negativity in your mind and it's going to affect you. And once that garden of negativity is your, in your mind, it becomes a really easy thought to reach for all the time. And then I'll show a video or draw a picture of here are the synapses in your brain. You just brought this connection that says I am awful or I'm ugly or I'm not smart. So your brain is now accessing that negative information even faster because of the attention you're giving to it. Then that releases chemicals in your body. That chemical, it now makes you feel really, really bad. And now you feel really sad and then you feed it with more thoughts and you feel even worse. That is why your words are important. That is why your thoughts are important. So when you give that to like a teenager, for example, or even a preteen, even an eight-year-old, they're like, Oh, because these kids want answers. Before I ask the question, because I said so, you sit down and I go, okay, I guess that's it. But these kids, they want answers. And yes. when you can give them that depth of an answer and they're like, wait a second, so I feel bad because of this thought. Yep. And that thought is there because I fed it. Yep. My brain is actually changing as a result of that thought. Yep. And then when they say to me, so how do I change that? I'm like, yes we're in because now you want to know. I'm not forcing you. I'm not, stop talking like that. Stop thinking like that. I'm not lecturing you and giving you that. Correct. I am now answering a question that you just asked me because I set it up for you to be interested in the answer. So for me, it's a lot of getting that deeper information, how and why. And then there's another tool you can use. And there's another tool you can use. I am sad and anxious. Okay. Give it time. Well, in that time, I'm sad and anxious. So after 12 months, am I not sad and anxious because I gave it 12 months? No, it's not time. It's what you do in that time. So if I say I'm sad and anxious, I'm like, well, do you know there are stretches that can kind of move your body and the blood around a little differently to help you relieve some of that stress in your body first? Because the body becomes the mind sometimes, right? The body is so programmed. So you're, so if you can move your body differently, if you can breathe differently, here's why it works. One plus one plus one plus one. And then they're like, whoa, that works? Yes. Have you heard of tapping? What do you mean tapping? It's kind of like acupuncture, but no needles. You get to do this. What does that do? Here's some studies. Here's the research. Here's what a sure. urologist said. Wait, what? I can just tap. Are you kidding me? And then I've got kids like, I had to take a test and I went to the bathroom and I tapped first. And oh my God, Simone, I, I felt so good. And I'm like, exactly. Because you just helped yourself instead of like, you know, sit there and just wait. No, they're real tools. And so that is what I feel the Academy is about is bringing these tools that these kids are not hearing about, they're not exposed to, they're not really getting because it's not, you know, mainstream or it's not very sure. typical. Use your mind, use mental imagery. Do you know that that high level Olympic gold medalists are hiring psycho psychologists to walk them through mental imagery techniques so they can win that gold? Do you know why it works? No, it's not magic. No, it's not foo-foo. Let's get into it. And we start talking about these concepts that like Joe Dispenza will talk about and, and we make it make sense. And so not only do I have the academy, I occasionally will do one-on-ones, especially with my academy students, because 
because they're vested. They're in sure, there. They and know. I'm, yeah, they know. So we don't have to start from like the ABCs of what's an affirmation, what's self-esteem. They're already in the academy. They know. We help select classes for them based on what their needs are. Mom will say, this is what I'm seeing. We're like, here's what we recommend. And then we can do some one-on-ones along the way. And I recently just started some in-person invitation-only private events for some of the kids. And, and that's where we really kind of like turn it all the way up, right? So one example is I talked to them the other day, like there's a concept called heart math. And I just love that, that company and that what they're talking about is just the electromagnetic field around the heart. And when you put your attention on the heart, you're breathing, you're thinking and paying attention to your heart. That way you wake that field up. And that field is actually measurable, like with actual instruments. And you can see it's about three meters around the body, that actual energy that is impacting each other. So when the kids were at my house yesterday for our private event, I literally stood in the middle and I was like, let's take six steps away, six steps away. And they surrounded me six feet away. And I was like, all of you right now are in the range to receive really powerful energy from my heart, the actual electromagnetic field, real stuff. And they were all like, what? They were like, okay, point to us and we'll pretend we feel it. And so I'm like pointing to them and they're acting like they're zapped in there, you know, but they were getting the concept. So uh, one of the things I love to do is take this abstract concept out of the self-esteem world. Like it's just, you know, love yourself and your brain. Like, no, no, no real tangible stuff. Let's get in here and let's see it, feel it, touch it, smell it, taste it, and let's work on it. Well, because to your point, and this was another podcast guest who had said something, um, the the little nuggets that stay with me, she was like, you know, life life is not perfect, right? Things are going to happen to us, but it's building the tools and having the necessary things that you've built habitually Mm -hmm. um, so that when you do have a moment of interruption, that comes because look to your point, we hear one negative thing and then we, it stays with us forever. I think we can all, I remember a boy, he had said like I had knock needs and that had stayed with me forever. <laughs> like, oh, no. don't know why. And I think right. I have fantastic legs right, now, right. Um, but I was in sixth grade and I wore a dress and that is what he said. And that has stayed with me. I remember not wearing any shorts or anything for a while, through, for a while wow. after that. 12 years old. Of course, right. Of course. So it's that power of negativity that we hear. Um, So to your point, it's not the foo-foo, it's really, truly being intentional with it. And I'm so, um, I'm so on a mission to bring your mission forward because I think even more so with our young teens, I mean, you hear suicides and I don't mean to make this to go left, um, but oh my gosh, of um, whether it's the social media aspect, Mm -hmm. to your point, it's a whole different um, generation of the FOMO and how real that is and being excluded and seeing all the things and being overstimulated with information. Um, So I think the work that you're doing is so powerful, so needed. Um, And I will help you scream, you know, put that message to the rooftops Um, because I truly, truly, um, I just think it's something that's so needed. Um, And I know a lot of times we talk like young teen girls, but I think you being um, a boy mom and a girl mom of also the importance of our young men, um, me being a boy mom of understanding and really allowing him to have his emotions when he is upset and we, we name them. And I, I say, I understand you're frustrated and working within those boundaries. Um, so I think it's, it's so just powerful for our children in general. So first off, just thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you. Um, and I, I want to now give you the platform to say how people can connect with you. Of course, we'll put this on the show notes, but how people can connect with you. Um, And then your final thoughts to the podcast, Motherhood Village community. 
For sure. So I'm everywhere as the self-esteem doctor, all spelled out, no dots, no hyphens, just the self-esteem doctor. Uh, Instagram is probably the one I use the most. So definitely reach out there. My website is the selfesteemdoctor.com. And there you kind of get to see um, some of the press that I've done. You get to see some of the work we're doing, all the services we offer. And the academy itself is the self-esteem doctor academy. Dot com. So we just put the word academy there. And um, and from there, you get to access classes or reach out to our team advisors and ask for like, hey, what should I take from this? There's a lot of stuff here. Where do I start? Um, so that's that's what I would definitely recommend. And you can also hire me to come and speak at your events and things like that. So that's where I'm there. And as far as final thoughts, I wanted to touch on when you said about boys, um, the self-esteem journey is not just for girls. And the self-esteem journey is not just about your looks. And I want us to get out of some of those limiting perceptions. Uh, boys and girls are invited, particularly when they're at a younger age, to participate um, in my in-person events. And boys and girls are all over the academy. And I think that we need to keep that door open for our young men to appreciate that they have self-esteem too. They have a self too, and they should be able to have access to those tools. And I think a great closing note here is to really say it's the preparation that you mentioned earlier, I think is paramount. I don't want you to look at self-esteem as something like, okay, I'm going to wait till I have a problem and then I'm going to go get help. That to me is similar to waiting till you fall off the boat in the middle of the ocean and then say you're going to find a way to put on the life vest while you're splashing around in 30,000 feet deep of water (laughs) and possibly animals around you. That's not the time to try to figure out how to put the life vest on. Sure. So I want you to utilize everything you're learning here. Take away the concept that this can be very simple, small things that you build in to your life and they work as a life vest for you. So when those moments come, and as I hopefully uh, imparted in you earlier, some of those moments of what you think are weaknesses or failures are your opportunities to go, to grow and to go big. Um, I once said to someone, um, rejection is God's preparation. So sometimes you're rejected from this, but it's being prepared for something else. Amen. Right. I'm like, why would I have opened a global academy and have kids writing to me from all over the world? If I was sitting, you know, in my Miami beach office doing my little thing that I was on the runway, it was great. And it would have helped people, but look at where I am now because that door closed for me, not on me, but for me so I could get better. So just, I want to help you with your perception. Just remember to think of this as a lifestyle. Remember to think of it as tiny little millimeter shifts that you build in here and there, little podcasts, little gratitude, write out a little sticky note of, oh, you know, I'm so thankful for this. Just in the middle of lunch, just write it down and eat your lunch. Um, And you're going to watch your life be able to really change and transform because once you nurture self, it starts there. It starts like a seed. You water yourself and you grow. But when you reach the fullest expression of yourself, when you water and nurture yourself, the seeds and the fruits that come from that feed the entire rest of the world. So self-esteem is a journey that starts with you, but it doesn't end there. It's going to help you on your motherhood journey, your professional journey, and then go on to help your kids in theirs. So that's my closing statement for you guys. Thank you so much, (laughs) Simone, for coming on, for sharing your wisdom, for sharing your journey. Um, It's much appreciated. I know I'm always, I was inspired. Well, I'm always inspired in your presence, um, but I know even for my listeners. So thank you and continued blessings to you for love and light. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening as well. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this impactful episode of the Motherhood Village podcast. Subscribe to my show so you'll never miss a future episode. You may also rate and review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with someone that can use it as part of their Motherhood Village. Remember, your village can take up many forms and you do not have to do it alone. Connect with me at themotherhoodvillage.com. 
Blessings to you for love and light.